Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's up, guys? I'm Joe, and I'm with the one and only Matt Terrio, wherever he is over here. And hope you guys are doing well. This is our Creative Financing Lab weekly podcast. I'm glad you're here. And I'm excited about this show. We're going to talk all things creative financing. Pace could not make it today because can we tell people what he's doing? Is, does everybody know? I don't I have no sure. idea. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know either, but he's doing something really cool. Let's just keep it a secret to kind of build the suspense and let it hang out there. But he's doing something really, really cool with Jamil. The one and only Jamil Damji. So guys, on this podcast, I thought we would just keep it real simple. We want to answer your questions about creative financing. Jay is in the house. Let's go. Come on. Oscar is here. Edwin, let's go. Big investor, the number one show on the planet. Wow. I don't know. Hey, well, um, thank you for that. That's nice. Yeah. It's pretty cool. good after just two episodes. <laughs> well, three. <laughs> this is our fourth. All right. I think. But anyway. We're glad you guys are here. And even without Pace, who couldn't make it, he just he apologized. He's got something really, really cool that he's working on. And I don't know if we have permission to tell you what it is yet, but you're going to know soon enough. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, he's filming for his TV show. <laughs> yeah, he's gone Hollywood on us. But he didn't go to Hollywood. I think they're filming it in Phoenix, aren't they? Yeah. So what is creative financing? That's a great question to start off with. What do you say, Mark? Yeah. What is what is creative financing? Creative financing. Well, financing is where you're using your money to transact, right? Creative financing is where you're inserting your ideas in place of the money. And that's, oh, that's uh, a that's great definition. Part. And so we call those ideas terms. And you'll hear them re referenced that way. You know, there's stuff like, like subject to, and there, there's lease option, and there's seller carryback, and there's wraparounds, and there's moratoriums, and there's deferments, and all kinds of stuff. So these are all just the different terms and ideas that you can use. Most people think that they have a money problem when they get into real estate, or it's money that uh, um, gets in the way of them even getting started because they don't think they can make it happen. And it's not a money problem. You just have an idea problem. And so that's what we do is we show you how to put your ideas in place of the money so you need less of your money to operate. Exactly right. Semper Fi, big investor. Yeah. That's the Marine Corps thing there, uh, Joe, just in case. You I wish know. I knew. I mean, I know what that is, but I wish I could relate. So, yeah, right now we're getting messages here that they're having a hard time streaming to Facebook. So Yeah, you know, there's a little message on yeah. that Facebook was having issues before we even started. So Tom says here, yeah, everybody knows. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Pace and uh, Jamil are filming a new TV real estate series. It's going to be awesome for A&D, I think, or HGTV. It's all the same. I don't know. They're probably owned by some big corporation somewhere. But yeah, they're filming this really cool show. And this guy's, I talked to Pace about this and like he was telling me not to brag or anything, <laughs> but they were begging him and Jamil to do this show. They said, no, they don't want to do it. They're just too busy. It's crazy. What You know you're onto something when the producers of these real, real estate reality TV shows are begging you to do it. So they just started filming this week and they had to redo some things this morning. That's why Pace couldn't be here. So we're getting some good questions already. Yeah. I like it. Can you explain a novation agreement? You know what? You know? I had never even heard of that expression until I heard of Pace Morby. I looked it up and I forgot what it said. I'll tell you right now what it's. Go, Joe. A, no <laughs> a novation agreement transfers the contractual obligations of one party to a third party or replaces a contractual obligation with another one. All parties involved in this type of contract must consent to the changes. Here's another. How, how is that different from an assignment or an amendment? I, that's what I'm. That's what I'm wondering myself too. I always called it just an assignment or an amendment agreement. Mm -hmm. Novation is the process by which the original contract is extinguished and replaced with another, under which a third party takes up rights and obligations, duplicating those of one of the parties to the original contract. This means the original party transfers both the benefits and the burdens under the contract. So the original party, it's where they transfer both the benefits and the burdens under the contract. So it's it's an assignment agreement. It's an assignment agreement. Here's the thing. When you're doing creative real estate, it can get pretty creative, which is a good thing. But you're going to find in some states, some title companies, they call them different things. Like they're escrow companies in California, I think. Right. And then yep. they're title companies in Missouri. There's some people like up in uh, Ohio, Michigan, they call them land contracts. 
right? Yeah. But they're called and contract for deeds everywhere else. So agreement for deed, agreement, agreement for, deed. for bond in Louisiana, agreement for bond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh. it just kind of you got to find out what. Here's what I suggest to students all the time, Matt. I say, listen, find somebody who's already doing deals in whatever market you're doing them in a title company, deals, and ask them, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, or I got a great deal here. What? How do you recommend we do it? And let them tell you what they're called and the paperwork that they use and all that good stuff, right? Yeah. Yep. All right, good. You got some excellent questions here. How about another one from Luis? What are the best leads to attack when looking for your first deal, wholesaling or creative financing? How about you tackle that, that first? The best yeah, leads to attack. Yeah, we answered that last week. And if you weren't here, no problem. We can do it again. And and I was really curious as to how Pace was going to answer this because this is a it is such a common question. I mean, it comes up all the time. What's the best list? What's the best type of leads? And our answers were exactly the same. And I was really relieved to hear it because I've always been looking for that great answer that satisfies everybody. But they're the same leads that you would go after regardless of what you were going to do, right? A deal is a deal. You're looking for an equity position or you're looking for a cash flow position or you're looking for both. And the only way you're going to get that is through a motivated seller. So now you have to retrace that or backtrack that or reverse engineer that what causes a seller to be motivated. In our world, the motivation is kind of a good thing, right? We want to be motivated each and every day. But in the seller's world, when they're motivated, typically something not very good is going on in their life. And there's something more important or a bigger problem that they're dealing with than them trying to get full price for their house. They need money. They need it fast and they need it simple and easy without a lot of effort. And so the types of things that cause a seller to agree to a creative offer or a discounted offer are, you know, you got the death and you got the disease and you got the drugs and you got the divorce and then you got the delinquencies and, you know, you got job loss and probate and Mm -hmm. all types of financial distress, personal distress, and then the property itself can be in distress. So you're just looking for signs of distress with property owners and you want to go and reach out to them. Yeah. One more thing though, just to kind of finish up this question, because Keep in mind when you're looking at those lists, there's deals in every single one of those lists. And exactly. But they don't guarantee that there's going to be motivation there. And here's a perfect example. I know I have a property in Memphis, Tennessee that's been there for about two years. It's vacant. I think I might have an issue with with the city. The weeds are overgrown. I keep getting the weed abatement stuff. And I just haven't gotten to it yet. And it's not high on my priority list. So I would show up and I know I show up on a list because I get a lot of mail for for that one property. And but I'm not motivated. I'm not in any hurry. I just haven't dealt with it yet. But you might be motivated next month. You know, I might be motivated next month. Yes. You're just like screw it. I forget. It. I don't care if I lose money on this deal. I just want it out right. of my life. The point being is on any of those lists, just because they're on the list doesn't mean they are going to be a motivated seller. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. So what so list did you target? All of them. All of them. Yep. That's like, now I've always liked absentee owners. Those are the best lists. That's always been the best list. Always will be because they don't have as much emotional attachment yep, to the property. Right. But yeah, all of them. And I think Pace, I've heard talk about this and, and you and I have talked about this a lot, Matt. Old leads, I think are the second best, right? Like these are people that have already expressed some motivation. They called in response to a postcard or a Facebook ad, or they, they've already expressed some, hey, I, I'd like to sell this thing, but maybe they don't have enough equity. Maybe they're not super motivated yet. But most of you guys here, if you've done any marketing in the past, you already have a bunch of old leads you're sitting on. So the, I would go after that list first and then find other investors who have old leads and contact those old leads. I just was talking to somebody today. He was saying like, oh, what kind of marketing should I do for lease option deals? And what kind of marketing should I do for wholesaling deals? And I was like, it's, it's not, they're the same. Yep, you're not you're not doing marketing for creative financing. You're doing marketing for deals, right? Mm-hmm. I was talking. I was hanging out with Tom Kroll, mutual friend of ours. You've met Tom before, haven't you, Matt? Of course. Yeah. So we were talking just yesterday about this, and uh, he likes to use the pawn shop analogy. And he says, uh, you know, when you're at a pawn shop, the conversations you watch Pawn Stars, the conversations always the same, right? You bring in a watch. Wow, this looks like a nice watch. Why do you want to sell it? You know, is there anything wrong with it? Why don't you just list it on eBay? You know, why, why don't why don't you just keep it? It's it's worth a lot of money. Why don't you just keep it, or why don't you sell it yourself? What are you going to do if you can't sell it? What are you going to do with the money, right? So, what? How much do you want for it on that pawn shop store? Do they ever give you a price first? Do they ever say, well, would you be willing to sell it? I don't know. I don't know how they sell watches or buy watches, but like they never say, like, would you want to do a lease option or a cash deal or whatever, right? They say, well, what do you want for it, right? Yeah. You make the 
the person bringing in the watch. I'm a big fan of this show. So first yeah. I ask, so what do you want to do? What and do you want to do? <laughs> what do you want to do? That's in my script too. Is It's always like, what do you want to have happen? You know, if we could wave a magic wand, what would you like to see happen? It may not be money that they want. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They they just may want to hold it for a little while while they borrow some money and then bring it, bring it back or just they just want cash. They want to be done with it. So anyway, the conversation is always the same. And that the, the seller of the watch brings up the price first. And what do they always say? Uh, I don't know if I can do that. Is that the best Man. you can do? Right. Every single time, even if it is a good deal. And then they say, well, let me take it back and think about it and look into it. Right. Mm-hmm. And they let the person sit and stew a little bit and stressed out. But so like, it's the same with houses. So we're not doing marketing for creative financing deals or cash deals or regular realtor listing deals. We're just doing marketing for deals and we're targeting all the lists. You could be doing yourself, a, not could be, I'm going to say you are doing yourself a big disservice if you're looking for deals for just one exit strategy. Oh, yeah. Like if I'm looking just to wholesale properties, you're going to blow so much money in marketing and miss so many other opportunities. If you're looking to do just creative financing, you're going to miss so many opportunities. You don't want to identify yourself as your exit strategy. Yep. You want to identify yourself as your acquisition strategy being, I'm a deal finder. I have to find deals. And that, and you don't want to identify yourself based on your asset class either because you're going to miss a lot of stuff. Because when you do the type of marketing, you're going to have all types of opportunities come your way. A lot of the stuff, you're not going to have control over what you get. You know, the, the, all of the multifamilies that I've owned have all come to me from marketing to single family owners. And if I was just looking for that, I could have, I would have missed out on a bunch of units. So yeah, be careful how you identify yourself and how you think about your marketing. You're just Very looking for, for motivation. Good question here from Kristen. What is Dodd-Frank? Keep hearing about it when it comes to notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to tackle that? Sure. Well, the Dodd-Frank Act, it's kind of long, right? It's kind of big and it's in depth. It's designed to protect the consumer, the consumer buyer, primarily, not primarily, almost exclusively the the residential buyer, someone that's going to buy their own property to live in. So all of these guidelines, they came into play after the 2008 collapse. But to answer your question, Kristen, where I think you're going with this when it comes to notes is when you're doing a seller financed property, when you're selling via seller finance, so you're holding onto the note and you're dealing with someone that's going to live in the house, I believe you can only do two of those a year without having a mortgage loan originator uh, involved to, to make sure that you are in compliance. But if you're selling seller financing to another investor, Dodd-Frank doesn't apply. So you don't have to worry about anything. It's just when you're selling to a resident owner. Yeah. And when it comes to lease options, we're not attorneys either, right? Lease options from attorneys that I've talked to have said to me, again, you got to talk to your own attorney and get legal advice from them, right? But like what I've what I've heard from other attorneys is Dodd-Frank doesn't necessarily apply to lease options because it's not seller financing. It has to do um, with financing. Yep. Right. You're doing a lease with the option to buy, but you should still be smart about it, right? Don't put somebody in a house that they have no realistic chance of ever getting a mortgage on, right? Never put somebody in a house that, you know, you need to be, still be working with a mortgage broker is what I'm trying to say. And that mortgage broker will tell you, yeah, that tenant buyer should have a realistic chance of getting a mortgage if they do this and this in the next you know, two to three years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you, know, you want to make sure that tenant buyer can afford the house. They're still putting good money down. And g- generally speaking, you don't want to do a ton of rent credits. You're doing lease options. I don't even like calling them rent credits anymore. They're just, they get, they're seller concessions that go towards either their closing costs or to reduce the price of the home. Uh, but Dodd-Frank is important when you're doing a lot of seller financing deals. But the good news is there's a lot of licensed RMLOs, re- residential mortgage loan originators, I think is what it is, that can help you with that, right? So, if whatever market you're in, find somebody else who's already doing owner financing deals, seller financing deals, and just ask them, you know, who who is the RMLO that you use and connect with them, network with them. And I bet you Pace might even have somebody that he uses a yeah, lot. What's the service? The, the transaction coordination service? ConstantClose.com. Constant, I bet they'd figure it out for you. And they, that's the Pace's company, ConstantClose.com. Talk to them and they'll be able to point you in the right direction. For, for my seller financing deals, my, lo- my local mortgage broker that I've used for years and years can help me with it, but he doesn't do nationwide. Anyway, here's a good question. Can you do a wraparound mortgage transaction on an MLS property listed with an agent? Yeah, if they agree to it. Yeah. 
it's always a little harder whenever realtors involved on doing the creative financing deals, but it can certainly happen. And it kind of depends on the price range too. It's kind of, so sometimes it's easier to do on cheaper properties than on more expensive properties. The agent, you know, they care about the, the client being taken care of, but they also care about their commissions. So you're just going to have to find a way to make sure the agent gets paid. And normally on creative financing deals, if it's listed with an agent, I'm going to give the seller enough money down payment or option deposit so they can pay the agent something, at least one month's rent. And, and, and then the agent can get the rest of their commissions if and when, on a lease option specifically, if and when I buy the house in three to four or five years. Now, if it's kind of a subject two, you are buying it. So you just got to be aware of that or land contract. You kind of are buying it. So you, you need to give the seller enough money to make that agent happy. It doesn't have to be all of it up front either. It could be, you know, I'll pay you some now and the rest in a year. That's all negotiable, but it's a, the listing agent is not representing you. The listing agent's representing the seller and the seller is the one who pays the agent their commission. So you need to let them figure it out and worry about the paperwork. You don't have to be involved with that. Prepare to be seriously frustrated if you yes. try to do that at all. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Here's a good question. I think when looking at wholesaling your creative deals, do you have to convince your buyers or are they already open to it? Good question. Matt, let me ask you something. Have you ever wholesaled your creative deals to another investor just to get out of them? No, I want them all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to wholesale them. And I know where people are going with this because they could lock up a creative deal, but they still need cash, right? They, they don't want the $200 a month or whatever they're going to get from the cash flow. The way that I get cash and cash flow from a creative deal without wholesaling it is I borrow more for the down payment or bring in a partner and I borrow more than I actually need. So if I get a creative finance deal and I got to pay the seller 10 grand is my down payment. You know, I'm going to bring in a money partner and I'll borrow 15 grand. So the seller will get 10, I get five, and then I still hold the property for cash flow. So that's the way I prefer to do it. But to answer your question, if you, if I were looking to do that, do I have to convince buyers that they already open to it? It all, it's all dictated in your marketing. Your marketing is going to attract the people that are open to it. So yeah, it would just be in your marketing message. Yeah. And you know what? There's a lot of active creative financing buyers in these creative financing Facebook groups. There's a lot of good ones out there. Pace has one. There's a guy. Yeah, here, here we go. Yes, I'm already open to it. So bring it to me. Matt, <laughs> Matt will take one right now. There you go. <laughs> um, last week I did a video. Um, I called it, uh, I was teaching the double dip lease option strategy. Mm-hmm. And the double dip lease option strategy is where you get a property under lease option, you put a tenant buyer in it, and you collect five, 10 grand from the tenant buyer. But it's a good cash flowing deal. There's a little bit of equity in it. You can sell that contract to another investor and be done and out of the deal and get another $10,000 assignment fee from the investor. So if you're cash flowing, let's say conservatively $200 a month, and that's $2,400 a year, $200 is $2,400 a year in cash flow, you should be able to wholesale that contract for five to 10 grand pretty easily. You know, you're giving that end buyer, that end investor who's taking over that property a 24% cash on cash return in their first year for with, with a $2,400 cash flow, $10,000 assignment fee. So you could make potentially five grand from the tenant buyer, 10 grand from your end buyer and be done and out of the deal. And you just, you're getting paid to structure these creative deals. And how do you find those buyers? Well, they're already buying properties, you know, in, in those areas, but also network in these Facebook groups. Jonathan Rexford is a guy I was thinking of. He's got a good subject to Facebook group and Pace has a big one as well. Sam, if you have a, a creative deal that you're looking to wholesale, call me. I yeah, will take it. Go. If the cash flows, I'll take it. A build. Can you explain subject to purchase? I'll just take that real quick. A subject yeah. to purchase is when you buy a property subject to the existing mortgage. So you're basically taking over the seller's mortgage. You're getting a contract for the property. You're taking over the deed. The seller, the, the mortgage stays in the seller's name. And usually, I don't know, depending on how you do it. When I used to do a ton of them, I would have a balloon typically in five years. Now, Matt likes to take them longer. I know Pace takes them longer too. So just kind of depends on the deal. Do you want to add anything to that? I mean, I, I like them. Subject to has always just been kind of a, a bridge transaction for me until I could get more permanent financing in place. I mean, yeah. if, the, if the terms and of the deal are, are really favorable, I mean, I'm going to wait for more favorable terms to refi out of there. But my concern is it, it's always just putting if I were to put a bunch of money in, say, to rehab or, or maintenance of the property, I just don't want to get stung or, or burned somewhere down the road with that. It never happens. And I know it never happens. I only know one person. And it happened to be a student of mine that uh, 
got called on the do on sale clause. But I don't know, it's just, it's just a comfort level, right? I still do them all the time. So it's not like I'm afraid of them, but I'm always thinking, how do I transition to a more permanent situation? And that's important too, because you need to be prepared when, if, and when it did get called due, would you be able to, do you have the private money in place or do you have a relationship with a local bank that you can you know, get a new mortgage for the house? Cool. Good question here from Big Investor. I love vacant land. You know what, Matt, just yesterday we got a contract signed for mm-hmm. a 12 acre lot in Texas near Jasper County for about $12,300. So it's about $1,000 an acre. Nice. And they're worth about four or $5,000 an acre. So we bought it for 20 cents on the dollar. Not seen it yet. We never even talked to the seller. We just sent some direct mail. They called us, said, I'm interested, left a voicemail. We sent them an offer at 20 cents on the dollar based on what other similar properties are selling for. And three months later, Matt, they signed the contract and send it back. And we, st- we have never even talked to them. So we're doing our due diligence now. But I love vacant land. It's a great way to make a quick dollar. Now, Big Investor has a question here about buying vacant land on creative terms. And I've never done that before. The reason why I haven't is because it's just so easy to buy them with cash. You certainly could, right? I guess, you know, if it's a, if it's a hundred plus acres, you know, and, and you, you need a hundred grand to, to buy it. Yeah. Maybe then you could do creative terms. I've never done it before. Have you, Matt, ever bought land with creative financing? No, I, I have one lot. I took a, what's the guy's name that we know that teaches the land course? Mike, uh, Jack Bosch. Jack Bosch. Yes. I, I got his course. I sent out one piece of marketing. I got one contract back. Everything worked just fine. And so I stopped doing it. Uh, <laughs> that's what us entrepreneurs do, right? We find something that works and we go try to do something else. That's the definition of an entrepreneur. Yes, exactly. So I have this one piece of land. But my my position is is that I would like to have financing on everything. Yeah. I would like to buy everything on financing. If I have the cash to buy one, I could buy maybe three or four with the financing. So I'm very much a, a control buy and hold person. I'm very, very in tune right now. And I don't, we don't have to get too deep in this unless you want to, but I am really, really in tune with the amount of stimulus that's being printed. I'm really in tune with the, the inflation and what that, how that's going to impact us. I'm very in tune with really stripping all the equity out of my properties right now. I want long-term fixed debt on asset producing, or excuse me, income producing mm-hmm. assets. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really focused on that. I'm actually very concerned about about the country and the, the way that we're going. And I'm not even talking a political aspect. I'm talking about monetary policy. And I think, you know, yeah. we, have, we have to start thinking about that. But one of the cool things about inflation is inflation eats up your debt in the same way it eats up the, your bank account. So if you're holding a lot of debt and you're on the right side of the economy and that inflation is eating that up and, and reducing the power of your debt as well. So, yeah. And do you feel like we're more likely to have inflation or deflation? I mean, if based on what has been printed already this year and what is being proposed, we're going to learn a whole lot more tonight. I know the president is speaking, but there's a $10 billion stimulus year, excuse me, 10 trillion, Yeah, yeah. 10 trillion. I mean, we financed the whole Gulf war over several years with 1 trillion, right? That, that's just to get a grasp. And if they tax, and I know that the, the new tax implications or a new tax plan is going to be introduced, we could tax every corporation 100% and it won't be enough to get out of the mm-hmm. hole that we're digging. So something's got to happen. I can't imagine it being deflation. Yeah. You know, I, I read the Wall Street Journal almost every day, every couple of days. And uh, I'd encourage you guys just to go do your own research on it and do the search for the word inflation in the Wall Street Journal or something like that and, and get some of, get some opinions on it. I will say this too. And I've thought about this, like maybe I should, when I'm, I don't know, we've done 30 something land deals. And how many more deals have I missed? Because maybe I could have offered the seller 10 grand for cash or 15 grand with payments over five years, right? And I'm thinking about seriously, why don't I do that, right? And here's the great thing about land. Um, For every one call, when I'm buying, after I've already bought it, and by the way, we advertise and start marketing our lots before we actually close on them. But like for every one call I get from a buyer interested in buying my lot, for land, I get five calls for people looking to buy them on terms of owner financing. And you can make great cash flow selling your vacant lots on 
terms. So if that's something you guys are thinking about, um, I just did a podcast with a guy, Brent Bowers. You all should check that out. Go to Real Estate Investing Mastery, Real Estate Investing Mastery. It's my podcast and on YouTube. Just do go do a search for Joe McCall's YouTube channel. And I have an interview with a guy named Brent Bowers. And Brent, oh, I don't know. He just told me he's got a hundred notes paying him an average of three or $400 a month. I think maybe I'm way low. I don't even remember. Sorry, but it's on there. And he's got students left and right that are that are quitting their jobs within six to 12 months just from the cash flow of these vacant lots that they're selling on terms. Now, the problem though, with vacant land, you got to be aware of this. You don't get write-offs like depreciation. You can't depreciate land and you're going to have a higher default rate with land. Okay. And those are the only two disadvantages that I can think of. There's a lot of advantages. You don't have to worry about tenants, toilets, trash, good stuff. All right. Anyway, there's a huge demand for land right now. Alex is saying Pace has videos on novation agreements. Of course he does. Pace has videos on everything. <laughs> yeah, By the way, Matt, I mentioned my podcast. What's yours? The Epic Real Estate Investing Show, the longest running podcast on iTunes. <laughs> Pretty soon you're going to retire, though, aren't you, Matt? Could be. And then you could uh, take that over. Sure. Yes. All right. I thought the USA was in a seller's market. Yes, it is. But you know what? Every market, Matt, would you agree? There's going to be 5 to 10% of the all sellers that are motivated to sell. Yeah, so that's that's a good question, Malcolm. And and we absolutely are. You're absolutely correct if you're referring to the retail market. Yeah. If we're talking to the wholesale market, then it's it's pretty much always even Steven. It's always a really a buyer's market to tell you the truth, because you're dealing with people that aren't concerned with what's going on in the retail market. They need to sell, they need to sell fast and they don't even care if it's a discount. They got bigger fish to fry. So you gotta be really careful when when you're looking at the type of, of what the market conditions are doing, because there's a retail market. That's 95% of what's going on. That's what you're going to read in the paper. It's what you're going to hear on, on the news. And it's what you're going to hear when you're talking at, at cocktail parties or, or with your barber or whatever it may be. That's all that the general public knows is what's going on in the retail market. We don't play in that area. We play on off market. And you know that unfortunately, all that giant list of, of motivating events, it kicks people in the teeth every single day. And just like uh, Joe had said, you know, I might not be a motivated seller today, but I might be next month because life is going to continue to happen and who knows what's going to, what the future holds. So I think the seller's market is a great thing to take advantage of. I think it's the best time ever to do wholesale deals because the yeah. demand is so high. So you can really focus on that for your exit strategy. Bottom, bottom line, if you're worried that it's a seller's market and you can't make any money and, and you're sitting on the sidelines, you're making a huge mistake, huge mistake. There's never a bad time to be in the market, never a bad time to buy and sell houses, right? If you just look at the big, big term picture, you know, the population of the United States is going to double in the next 50 years. That's what I've heard. I don't know if it's true or not. The population of the United States is going to double in the next 50 years. Let's say it's the next 100 years. Where are all those people going to live? There will always be demand for housing. People will always need a house over their heads. And did you know what else? One third of all homeowners in the United States own their house free and clear. They do not have a mortgage on their house. So there's a lot of properties out there with a lot of vacancy. People still die in a seller's market. People still have tenants that they have to evict. They still lose their jobs. They get job transfers. Get divorce. Divorce. So they're still out there. All right. Got a good thing here from Dominic. Look at this. I'm a couple deals in. Fired myself from my nine to five this morning. Ready to get going full speed ahead. Awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's awesome, Dominic. But let me ask you something, Matt, related to that. Mm -hmm. When's a good time to quit your job? What do you tell people like, you know, I've done a couple deals now. Should I quit my job or not? Or when? What do you I think when you when you look at the line where I'm actually losing money by being here? Mm -hmm. I think that's a good spot. And I think the other trends... Gosh, I did like the five things, this video like three years ago, five things you, you need to do before you quit your job. But one of them is to make sure or to understand that when you do quit your job and you go out to be your own boss, which has a really nice ring to it, a nice feel to it, understand in the beginning, you are also your own employee, right? And what people will kind of like, they want to get work so quickly and transition transition so quickly to be working on their business and forget that somebody still needs to be working in their business, particularly in the beginning. And so that would be the, the big thing is ready to be ready to make that commitment that you just the way that you're nine to five, like yesterday, Dominic, yesterday you reported to work and you had your a list of responsibilities and you had to be there for a certain amount of time and you had to perform those responsibilities yesterday or your, your boss would have fired you or you wouldn't have had that job. Understand that you have a new list of responsibilities you have to report in every day and you have to do them consistently for yourself also today now that, now that you're, uh, you're your own boss.
Yeah. For me, I my when I, when I was working my nine to five, my goal was originally to have at least six months of savings in reserves before I quit my job. And I found that I just couldn't do that because I was doing so many deals. I couldn't do any more because my nine to five was holding me back. Mm-hmm. So I, I changed it. And my wife was cool with it. I just said, listen, all right, how about this? I can do deals three months consistently. I can do enough deals in three for three months in a row that I know I haven't, I can make enough money to replace my income. And then we both felt comfortable with that. And I did. So I was just flipping lease options at the time is what I was doing. And, you know, I was making 7,500 a month on my my engineering job, about eight grand a month. And I was consistently three months in a row making about 12 grand a month. And I knew I could be doubling, tripling that if I just had more time. And that's when I said, all right, I'll quit my job. But it's best if you can have money in the bank to give you some cushion. But sometimes for some people that may not be possible, number one, but number two, that may be holding you back from going all in and saying, all right, well, I'm going to do this come hell or high water. I'm going to do it or die. (laughs) So sometimes you need that kind of I'm screw it. I'm doing it to finally get going when your back's against the wall. I would also right. say one more thing on that really quickly yeah. is that while you have your job and if you have a decent credit score, don't leave until you can maximize all of the bank financing that you're able to get. Oh, great point. Because once you leave that job, you can say goodbye to that opportunity for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great point. Hey, if you're just joining us, this is the Creative Financing Lab. I'm Joe McCall, Matt Terrio. From Epic Real Estate Podcast, Epic TV, go check out his YouTube channel. You can find me on YouTube as well. Just search for Joe McCall. I have the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Pace Morby is normally here with us. He is filming right now a show with Jamil for, um, I think it's an A&E, A&E. show that they're doing, mm-hmm. and which is going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really funny. I imagine seeing those two guys together. So I'm looking forward to that. But they're filming this morning. So Pace texted us, said he apologized he couldn't make it. He'll be here next Uh, week. Yeah, he will be. So uh, real quick, big investor found a land deal from a Zillow for sale by owner. I love Zillow for sale by owner. Why aren't more people targeting them for leads and deals? I don't know. But this vacant lot, he's getting a $21,500 assignment fee for a vacant lot. I love it. Way to go, big investor. All right, question here from... Oh, I lost my spot. If you yeah, do, you see quick. a question there, Matt? Yeah, I don't know how to highlight these things. All. Oh, you just ah. hit the show. Yeah. Is that what you do? Oh, okay. Did you do it? I can't. I, I got another one here. How about this one? This is from Samuel. I have a subject to lead that owes fifty k on a property worth forty k, four hundred and six dollar piti. So his total principal interest taxes insurance payment is four hundred and six dollars. It's a section eight. It's getting eight hundred and fifty dollars a month in rent. It's a rough area. The seller wants sixty two thousand dollars how do i calculate if this is a good deal and how can i do it with no money interesting this is a class d property i would guess not sure where it is samuel but i'll tell you what i would do i'd probably pass on it i don't like uh houses in those areas personally for me what would you say matt yeah that's that's my first thought is that i purchased probably over a hundred properties that would fit this criteria and they just became such a tough management issue for me. And even if this cash flow, I'm, I was trying to look, do this this cash flow thing. So if it's if we got eight fifty, I like to use uh, times it by sixty percent minus five ten, five ten minus four hundred six. So you, you got a cash flow if the management goes well, a hundred bucks a month. If the the management goes well, and they want sixty two on a property that's worth forty, so you're paying twenty two thousand dollars. Over yeah. and if you take that twenty, say you gave them the twenty-two thousand bucks, and so it's a hundred, twelve hundred dollars divided by twenty-two. Yeah, you're like at a five percent ROI. There's no equity. It's going to be a management headache, and the ROI is really, really low. I would pass. Well, you know what though, I, I would, I would let me correct this. I wouldn't pass it. I would still make an offer. I would just make a cash offer. I would find out who are some investors that are are buying properties in there. There's a lot of investors that are comfortable with that property that are looking for subsection eight. And uh, I would make an offer for 30. Now he wants 62 and he owes 50. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I don't care what they owe. I'd still make a cash offer. I know I could sell that deal for 40 grand. So I would make him an offer for 30. And guess what? He's probably going to say no. Fine. But I'm going to follow up every 30 days. How's it going? Have you sold that house yet? You know, follow up every 30 days. And I tell you, if he, you just got to give him some time to cook, that seller will get more and more motivated the longer they're sitting on this property. There's a reason why they want to sell it. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> There's a reason why they want to sell it. And they're probably sick of managing properties in that area. So make them a cash offer and just make it again 30 days later. Make another offer in 30 days later because you can sell that pretty quickly, probably for five to 10 grand um, assignment fee. I would also say any property that's upside down at this point in time, um, there's a story behind it. And <laughs> there is probably not a good story that you want to uh, take over. Yeah. So here's the thing though, Matt, I mean, if you ever made an offer on a deal less than what the seller owed, the seller accepted it and then brought money to closing. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yep. So it, it uh, definitely can be done. We've had a seller one time we told them, Mr. Seller, this isn't going to work. How much would you pay us to buy your house? It's like, what? How much, yeah. how much would you pay us to buy your house? I don't remember how that deal ended up, but there's been deals where the sellers have brought five, 10 grand to closing for us to buy it. Um, so always make an offer, but make an offer for the numbers that work for you. Don't make an offer based on what they owe. It doesn't matter what they owe or what they want. Make an offer and follow up. So we need to hustle because we've got to be off in 15 minutes. We got a lot of questions here. Hey, Tim, glad you're here. You're new to the business. Okay, good question. We'll just cover this real quick because we've kind of already talked about it. Uh, what are some of the best ways to handle the due on sale clause with subject twos? Well, number one, you have to fully disclose to the seller that there may there is a due on sale clause. The bank may call it due and you just have to know that. The, be- the second thing is you need to make sure you don't do anything that makes the bank that raises red flags for the bank. So make sure you get the right insurance. Make sure you're using a title company to close these deals. Pace has a company called constantclose.com that can handle all of that for you and make sure you never miss a payment. Okay. If you, if the insurance is cool and you never miss a payment, chances of them calling it, calling it due is very slim to none. So just don't be stupid. You know, I've talked, I talked about this on our first podcast. I think I've talked to people at the banks like city mortgage bank. And I asked them, do you know what the subject to is? And they go, yeah, we know what they are. We know you guys are doing them. It's really not that big of a deal, but if you force our hand and if you force us to call it due, we have to, you just have to make sure your insurance is good. Now don't, this is just one guy that I talked to. And so don't quote me on this or, you know, because that may be not their real policy. And if they were to find out that that guy said that he might have gotten fired, I don't know. But like, so just be aware of that. Just make sure you're doing it the right way. Tom Kroll's in the house. Bam. I just was I hanging out with Tom. We're just talking about him. You hang out with Tom? Yeah. You tell people about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom is a good guy. I know he's got his enemies. No, he doesn't really. He's got one or two enemies. No, he's a great guy. I'm just playing. I know if he's listening, I was that was for his benefit, not mine. Uh, he's probably not even still watching this anyway. What do you guys think of Chris Crone? Never met him, heard good things about him. Have you met Chris? Yeah, I used to work with him. I know did Chris you really? Well. Yeah. I did not yeah, know that. I did. We ran a, uh, a network marketing company together. And wow. uh, that was a long time ago. Really smart guy. R- great speaker, great orator, oh. great salesman. Yeah. Stand-up dude. Love him. All right. What are some creative ways to dispo properties? It's called the flap your lips method. What are some creative ways to dispose some problems? <laughs> it's called the flap your lips. It's getting on the phone and calling people. That's it. Is that really what he's asking though? Well, some creative ways to dispo- how to sell your properties. Got it. Well, marketing. Okay, let me tell you. When it comes to selling, wholesaling your property, selling to an investor, hmm. I like to get on the phone and call every single landlord, every single realtor that does any deals in that area and just call them and ask them. I call other wholesalers. I call property managers, landlords, realtors, investors, I just call them. Um, If you're selling your house like on a wraparound or on owner financing, Facebook Marketplace, signs, signs work the best for me. Do you want to add anything to that, Matt? I would say, I mean, if you you, uh, maintained a a daily presence on Craigslist and, you know, you're on Facebook Marketplace, you're reaching a whole lot of people just by doing that. And then go ahead and describe the terms of how you want to sell the house in that in that deal. I don't think you need much more than that. And obviously, if you've got a buyer's list, but there's so much demand out for houses right now. You don't, you, don't need a whole, you don't need a whole lot of exposure to sell anything. No, just make a few phone calls to realtors and mm-hmm. they'll help you out. All right. Pace is buying several areas of vacant land right now, creatively, that a student brought to him to develop an RV park in Texas. That's Sweet. great. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. What servicing company do you use for subject twos and wraps? Pace has a great company. I've never used them before, but I've heard good things about it called Constant Close. Constant Close. That's their, that's his um transaction coordination company, right? Right, but if for, for servicing the mortgages or the notes, exactly. they'll probably point you in the right direction. A company I've used before is a company called escrowserve.com, but it's spelled funny, E-S-C-R-O-S-E-R-V.com. 
escrow, E-S-C-R-O-S-E-R-V, escrowserve.com. Sergio, I'll put it here in who we use. We'll be using them for uh, 10, 11, 12 years almost. Yeah. Noteservicingcenter.com. Noteservicingcenter.com. Yep. Noteservicingcenter.com. All right. Um, we're going through these questions here. There's a million of them. You guys are- Mitch has a company as well. His daughter does it. Who does? Mitch Stevens. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. His daughter does. does. Yeah. Mitch Stevens has got a good podcast um, as well, and he's out of Texas. Another great creative brain. He's great to be ha- great to have on a, as a guest. Here. Oh, he would be. Yeah, we should do that, Matt. I actually looked up your YouTube channel for updated real estate news. Great stuff. Oh, thanks, Kristen. Appreciate you. Matt does have a really, really good YouTube channel, guys. Check it out. It's better than mine because he just really puts a lot of thought. I put thought into my videos too, but Matt does a lot of research and it's just, he's really, really good. I'd recommend Yeah, The best way to learn something is to teach it. So I do a lot, I do a lot of videos on stuff that I want to learn myself. That's where I've gotten so deep into this whole inflation conversation. I heard the market is starting to shift. What do you guys, I've not heard that. Have you Matt? Uh -uh. Din, good morning. What's going on? St. Louis in the building in the house. That's right. Go Cardinals. They beat the Phillies last night. How are the Dodgers doing? When was the last time they beat the Dodgers? I wonder. I don't care. The Dodgers are so far in first place that it's uh, ridiculous. Not all about the Cardinals. Who cares about the Dodgers? You know, we, I, Matt, I would love to go to a Dodgers game, I've, a stadium. I've never been there before. That would be uh, that would be pretty cool. I'd love to do that someday. All right, it'll be on me, Joe. I'll make it happen. Nice. What about okay? What about the big corporate buyers? Are you seeing any slowdown in corporate buying, Matt? I don't know the answer to this. I don't have a I don't have a corporate buying contact. I just haven't needed one, and I haven't come across one. You, you know, I did sell one of my rental properties the other day. We refixed it up and sold sold it. We've got we had five offers in three days, like thirty or forty showings, and we sold it for about twenty grand or about almost ten percent over asking price. And we got a we got an offer from one of the big hedge funds. And I couldn't tell which one it was because it's under some weird LLC. But you know what? I don't know if you've ever gotten an offer from one of these big hedge funds, Matt, but they were so, I don't know what the right, right word is, demanding on their offer. Like I have to use their title company. They use the regular realtor contracts, but they have like a six page addendum that goes with it. All kinds of weasel clauses. They were asking about 5% more than asking price, but I just didn't like all their huge list of demands. And it just made me, I just didn't like it at all. You got emotional? Yeah. Well, I don't want to help these guys out buy more properties. Right. Oh, have you heard anything about the 1031 exchange? Mariah is asking. Maria? Yeah. So Mr. President Biden is making a, a his, I don't know if it's a state of the union, but it's a he's announcing his whole tax plan this evening. So I'm sure that 1031 exchange will be included in there, whether he's going to or not. Yeah. And, and you know. Here's the thing, too, you got to understand with politics. Let's say he completely abolishes the 1031 exchange, and I don't think he will. I don't know enough yet, though. But if he does, it's not going to happen overnight. Usually when when these kinds of initiatives happen, they it, it, it actually goes into effect one or two or three years later, or it's a phased approach into it. So it, you'll have time to figure out and plan on what to do. But, you know, I think we could all agree taxes are going to go up. Yep. And so what are you going to do about it? I don't know. The, I, I would think the you know the more write-offs you can get, the better. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I used to have it as a goal, Matt, to pay a million dollars a year in taxes. Um, that used to be my goal. I thought, oh, that'd be so cool if I could pay a million dollars. But it's not, guys, it's not about what you make. It's about what you keep. Amazon doesn't even pay that. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a big goal, Joe. <laughs> but I, that's I've always liked that about you. you. You're a big thinker. Well, oh, this is a really long comment, and I can't type it in or show it because it's way too long. But Jesse, he's new to the wholesaling game. What do you think is going to work for yourself? Uh, Sorry, Jesse, I don't understand the question. Uh, Here's a question from Samuel. How do you lease option with other people's money without a lender? Well, you don't need any money or to borrow any money when you do a lease option. And you can't borrow money. That's one of the disadvantages to buying a house on the lease option. You can't borrow any private money on that deal because you you can't secure a note against a property you don't own. Yeah, I just have to be a promissory note, personal. What's game. up, Edna? Okay, just a couple more questions here. Ah, oh, this is a good one. Let's end with this one from David. What would you say is the best way to approach your day, week, task-wise, for a new investor looking to start for the ground up on a wholesaler buy and hold through business? Okay, uh, how do you? What's the best way to manage your day? Now, D- Matt, you got to talk about your scorecard. I love, I love, love, love what you do with this scorecard. Will you talk about that? I happen to have one right here. Keep them handy all day long. Nice. So. I created a scorecard for, I created a game out of real estate when I got started. And 
because there's things that you have to do on a daily basis. Some of the things you're going to like doing, some of the things you're not going to like doing, but it doesn't matter. They still have to be done. And just knowing how human nature works, that if things are fun, we're more inclined to do it. So we uh, created a game out of it and just gave create, put all the, the money-making activities on a scorecard and then assigned a point value based on how important they are during, to do during the day. And then we have these little check boxes. Every time you perform one, you go ahead and you check a box. You just start every day. You pull out a new sheet. You start from the top and just work your way down. Yeah. And that's how it works. Can you give us um, some examples of what those daily activities Yeah, sure. Are? So, you know, we make it really simple to get started. We can start by just reviewing your goals. Remind yourself of why you're getting up and going to work in the first place. Okay, so that could be one thing. Um, we could do personal development, right? So uh, you could listen to a book, or an audio book, listen to a podcast, watch a webinar, whatever it may be, go to a seminar, something like that. I always like to put practicing my scripts in that area and trying to just warming up your mouth, warming up your mindset before you even start talking to people. So you can do that for 15, 30 minutes. Then we start with our, our attracting activities. We, we, we divide our whole business up into attract, convert, and exit. So attract is what our marketing is. We start with broadcasts. So you could broadcast email, you could broadcast direct mail, you could broadcast ringless voicemail, you could broadcast text messages, but just send a broadcast out there into the world each and every day of some sort to start bringing in uh, incoming inquiries. And then placing ads. So there could be classified ads. It could be bandit signs. It could be social media ads. It could be pay-per-click ads. So you want to get your advertising and put up a new ad, at least a, a one every single day, probably a lot more. And then uh, you just start talking to people and you're going to initiate that contact by dialing the phone or knocking on doors. You're going to return phone calls and you're going to set appointments mm -hmm. and you want to set those appointments so you can put yourself in a position to create an or to present an offer. And that is the goal every single day. So David, to make it really, really simple, wake up every single morning and decide who is going to get an offer from me today? And don't quit working until you've presented at least one offer. And after a year, that's 365 offers you have written. That's typically uh, 360 more offers than most people do a year. I love it. And, but make it that simple. One offer a day. And how many deals are you going to close off of 365 offers? I bet you close at least a dozen, one a month by just that simple practice. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that because you get points based on how important the activity is. You get more points, the more important the activity is. So you get more points by talking to a seller and making an offer than you would with posting a, 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 um, a Craigslist ad or something like that. So people are asking, Matt, how can they get that scorecard? I'm looking to see if the, oh, look at that. It's a really old <laughs> domain name, and it looks like somebody else has it now. Oh, so you lost the domain. I did. No. Oh, my goodness. Well, how can people um, just let find me, out about you, Matt? Figure, I have to do this. You go to, let me see, I'm just checking the domain, another domain name really quickly. Matt, by the way, everybody has 100 million domains. And I got so many. Each one is <laughs> represents a great idea I had in the shower one day. <laughs> and, uh, but the cool thing about he can it's easy to find because every domain has the word epic in it which is nice because like if he wants to have a if he wants to sell something about crochet he could do epiccrochet.com and he will get the domain and if you see that e on his hat epic breakthrough yeah go there and i think that's going to lead you to the scorecard sorry about that i wasn't even prepared to talk about that or else i would have been more prepared well you could Oh, it's a creative financing 21 creative financing terms. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. I know where I can go, where we have it, Joe. Okay. At mindmeister.com. We've got the Google link there, right? You, you won't have to opt in for anything. Oh, our old mind map? Our old creative financing lab mm. thing. I can just give them the Google link to that, right? Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Hold on, guys. You're, okay. you're going to be, is this worth the wait? I'll get it. We will put the link in the YouTube and Facebook comments here. The overview. It'll be worth the wait. Scorecard. And, uh, we got two. We got Matt's and Joe's. All right. Can you, can you put them in the link? I will. In the th comments here. And we don't even need your email address or anything. Okay. Yeah, so Matt and I did a class called Creative Financing Lab a year ago. It was really successful. A lot of students crushed, you know, start are, are doing deals from it. So we may we may sell that again sometime soon here. Okay, so there's mine, and then I'm gonna ah. grab Joe's real quick. Cool. Joe's got something similar. Now, if you guys are watching this later, 
and or you're watching this on Facebook because we've had some problems streaming this to Facebook today and you don't see the link, uh, go to our YouTube channels. You will find this podcast right now on YouTube. Look in the comments down below the comments, either on my channel or Pace's channel or Matt's channel, and you'll see the link to these scorecards. It's just a Google Doc sheet, um, so you can make a copy of it and download it. All right, so there's cool. Joe's scorecard. So now you got both. All right. Yes. Really important, guys. I mean, I'm telling you, when we're when I'm talking to a student who's struggling, I say, show me your scorecard. And within like five seconds, I can figure out what the problem is. Yep. They're focusing on their own things. Use it. Yep. Guys, we appreciate you very much. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Matt. Yep. It's been fun. Likewise. Looking forward to the next one. Pace will be with us on the next one. But we're glad you guys are here. We appreciate you all. Go check out Matt's channel on YouTube, Epic Real Estate. Go check out mine on YouTube, The, the uh, just Joe McCall. I need to come up with something better. But um, we both have podcasts. You can look us up anywhere you listen to podcasts. And uh, we appreciate you all. If you like this video, please give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to our channels. Share it with somebody. We appreciate you guys very, very much. And I'm going to I'm gonna post one link in here too, if you're interested in working with me. I have a new program I just started called partnerwithjoe.net. Partnerwithjoe.net. And yeah, I have a software that helps you calculate offers that I give away for free there. Partnerwithjoe.net. It helps you create owner financing, lease options, and cash offers. So uh, we'll see you guys later. All right. Take care, Joe. Bye, Thanks, everybody. Matt. Bye-bye, yeah. everybody.